Good Lord, it's like I've never recorded audio before. Holy Jesus, the ASMR is going to be so excellent on this podcast. Welcome in. Hold on to your seat cheeks. It's the Michael Welch podcast. I've taken a little sabbatical since March. Took a little time, did a little travel, hit Tucson, Arizona, hit San Francisco, California. Got very, very ill with an upper respiratory issue that I'm still fending off. Had a couple family issues. I covered a full gamut the past four months. But now it's almost college football season. It's almost football season for everybody. So, thought we'd review the 2022 college football season just to kind of get the juices going again. Just to kind of recap where we were at this time last season. And then, uh, then we'll head off the next couple weeks here to week zero of 2023. So here is the 2022 college football season review. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Responding after the fumble with a tremendous throw and catch. And then the pick six to shield. And one more play for the Georgia defense. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. So that was actually two national championship games back. Georgia's first one is they waxed off Alabama. Uh, Bryce Young was driving a minute nine left in the game. Eight point difference. And of course, the uh, pick six there to uh, salt the game away for the Georgia Bulldogs. Right to the hands of Kaylee Ringo, who would go on to be selected in the fourth round of the 2023 draft by the Eagles. Taking that pick six back to lock up the blowout. By the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, the last grasp attempt there by the uh, Heisman winner that year, Bryce Young, coming up just short. Of course, Alabama actually beat Georgia earlier that season to win the SEC title. And uh, Georgia's first national championship there in 22 years, first time since 1980 at that particular time. So, big victory for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs there. And last season, coming off that national championship, they were not preseason favorites at this time last year, heading into the 2022-23 college football season. Alabama was back up there again with Bryce Young heading, driving the ship, if you will. Of course, some of the gripes by Alabama fans were that their top two receivers were out in that national championship game. Uh, one of the gentlemen going out in the SEC championship and another in the national championship, Jamison uh, Williams, now a uh, Detroit Lion, was one of those guys. But, of course, there are a number of injuries there. It's just they did kind of run out of offensive weapons there against that great Georgia defense. Would that have changed things? Who knows? But the point is, in the splitting of series games two seasons back, and Georgia won the national championship. However, not being favorites last season coming in, I have Alabama 
Ohio State, then Georgia. As far as odds, odd favorites, odds favorites, uh, reflecting back. Then we had Clemson in the mix again, followed by USC under Lincoln Riley as fifth best odds. Then Texas A&M, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Texas, and the Utah Utes there rounding out the top dozen teams there. Once the official AP poll dropped, it was Alabama overwhelmingly number one, Ohio State, Georgia, just like the odds there. Clemson was the fourth, followed by Notre Dame at five, Texas A&M six, Utah, Michigan, Oklahoma, Baylor rounding out the top ten. Then we had Oregon, Oklahoma State, NC State, USC, Michigan State, Miami, Pitt, Wisconsin, Arkansas, and Kentucky running out the top 20. Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU rounding out the top 25 there. Uh, Ironic that 23, 24, 25 there, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU all heading to the Big 12 for this season now. Several other teams receiving votes there. Tennessee, Texas, Iowa, Penn State, uh, LSU, uh, Purdue, who'd go on to win, of course, the uh, Big Ten West, all in the mix there. Uh, Kansas State was much further down. Of course, they would win the uh, Big 12 championship game. TCU, not um, not on the board here, not in the mix, um, at least from the AP poll perspective. Um, I believe Phil Steele, who does his preview magazine, um, had a had a note on them, um, and some other previews may as had may as well, um, but at least according to the AP poll, no votes for TCU. So again, Alabama in that top spot. Receivers um, could have been an issue otherwise. Maybe they beat Georgia. Uh, Bryce Young is coming back. Uh, they're great linebackers back as well. Who's received Heisman votes there in uh, Mr. Will Anderson Jr. So the thought is that they're reloading heading into the 2022-23 season. So they will be fired up again. They returned 12 starters back, uh, which was the most for 17 in six years at that point. And uh, pretty much uh, every publication and uh, magazine had them at the number one spot. They had the number two recruiting class of all time according to recruiting metrics, after Texas A&M's number one recruiting class of all time, now that the NIL is in full effect. And of course, last season, we had the little um, back and forth between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher that made headlines briefly in the offseason, where um, audio made it out of Nick Saban speaking at a booster event about uh, Texas A&M just buying their team. Um, like that's some wicked evil thing. Um, of course, you're not supposed to be able to just purchase a team per se, but once kids are on campus, they're allowed to basically uh, collect endorsement money to endorse whatever. And uh, the collectives that you hear about uh, as, as part of these schools basically place and set up these um, different endorsements for kids uh, or college students. But um, you're not supposed to just outright offer this money up front um, to come to the school, to my understanding. But now state to state, um, it sounds like it's a little bit different. Um, but at least in that circumstance, you're not supposed to be able to just offer a guy money straight up. It's uh, once you're recruited, um, they can set up these collectives often, um, set up the endorsements for you. But again, that's um, kind of lost in the sauce of um, NIL money is too much. 
and um, a lot of other things. But the main point is uh, there's a bit of back and forth over um, much ado about nothing really between Saban and Jimbo Fisher, where Texas A&M had the number one overall recruiting class ever, uh, according to metrics last year, and Mr. Saban had the number two. As for number two in the AP poll, Ohio State, um, recapping why they might be in that particular place going into the season. They were 11-2, 2021, two years back. They had the early season loss to Oregon at home, which is a bit surprising, big surprising. Uh, they had the ball run down their throat, I believe, by the Ducks there. Waddled on in and waddled on out after the uh, destruction. They had their first loss to Michigan since 2011. Kept the squad out of the Big Ten and National Championship picture. They did make the Rose Bowl there. Where they played a legendary game against the Utah Utes. They outlasted them 48-45. to Never fell out of the top 10 all season. C.J. Strout came back and was under center. Chris Olave uh, was off to, uh, the, off to the Saints. Uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, of course, last year um, was projected to be a big-time player. Marvin Harrison Jr., who scored three touchdowns and first made his, I don't want to say his name known, of course, because of his legendary father, uh, but he scored three touchdowns in the Utah Rose against Utah in the Rose Bowl a couple of years back, and uh, it was just another loaded skills position group. Loaded running back room again. Uh, Jim Knowles was poached from Oklahoma State and imported in um, to uh, with his, you know, his defense was top five with Oklahoma State and he was brought in to improve the Buckeyes defense last season. So they checked in at number two um, at this time last year in the uh, AP poll. Georgia had lost 15 picks to the NFL after their first national championship there. Um through its self-imposed ceiling, you know, Georgia will never um, break through. Well, teams like Alabama, Auburn, Florida, LSU, uh, Tennessee, at least in 98, all those teams of the SEC had uh, at least claimed multiple national championship titles in that 40-year span between uh, themselves uh, winning their next national championship. They were never considered a national power. Now, back in the mix, at least number three in the rankings in the conversation, uh, pollsters, again, weren't quite ready to put them above Alabama. Stenson Bennett was back officially as the starter. Um, Jalen Carter, the disrupted nose tackle, rightfully tagged as a key piece of the defense, was back in. Of course, two years ago, Stenson Bennett was, of course, the story of the walk-on, not expected to play. JT Daniels from USC, um, Probably would have stayed the star if he could stay healthy, honestly. He had a number of, uh, of injury issues and was iffy for a couple games, including getting ruled out uh, within hours of a couple of tip times. There was another kid there uh, who was number two on the depth chart, I believe, who was a Wake Forest transfer who just didn't quite work out. Uh, I don't remember his exact issues, but uh, yeah, Stenson Bennett, further down the depth chart, worked his way in. We all know the story now, but um, officially the starter as of last year after um, really only starting a handful of games uh, two seasons back. Um, so number three in the poll at this time last year, heading into the season, the Georgia Bulldogs. Clemson, quite generous to check in where they were at number four after a 9-3 and three season where things actually could have been worse. Uh, you can do the, and maybe it could have been better as well, but seven games were decided by one score in 2021, and the team fell out of the top 25 after a 4-3 and three start. 
it was just terribly ugly. Uh, the squad didn't play for or win the ACC for the first time since 2014 and needed a bowl win over Iowa State to hit double-digit wins. Playmakers were lacking on both sides of the ball. That seems like it's going to be an ongoing problem this season. Uh, DJ Ungalele didn't pick up where Trevor Lawrence left off. Uh, Debo didn't make uh, jaw-dropping uh, coaching changes in the offseason, or did he use the transfer portal much? And that hasn't changed much either. Or uh, he didn't bring in top-level recruiting classes either. Um, the ranking was partially trust in Debo in the weak ACC. That's still the case. So not much has changed in Clemson uh, heading into this year or last year or, you know, probably moving forward a whole lot, although it seems like his mind's starting to change a little bit on the transfer portal. Um, but uh, yeah, Clemson checking in last year at number four. I expect they will be top eight, at least in the uh, preseason poll this year. We'll see. By the time this podcast comes out, I believe it'll line up with the release of the AP poll for the 2023-24 season. Uh, Notre Dame last year, uh, number five to start out with. They were a whopping 1-11 in 2021. They were never really in the hunt for a playoff spot. The main issue was the loss to Cincinnati, their only loss. And then Cincinnati stayed ahead of them the whole way in the polls uh, for a playoff spot. So Notre Dame was really never in the mix. Um, it was rightfully so. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati beat them, stayed ahead of them. Um, you can make argument on the schedules. Uh, should Notre Dame jump them? But, yeah, I mean, they won the head-to-head. So uh, perhaps this was the push that Brian Kelly needed to finally leave if he wanted to pull down a big job and have a real shot at a national championship. Um, so he did. He went at the end of the season, um, even with one loss. They went on. Uh, so they finished 11 and two after the Fiesta Bowl loss to Oklahoma State. And he went ahead to the LSU job, handing the job off to the head coaching job at Notre Dame off to assistant Marcus Freeman in the process there. And um, same last year was the same as it's going to be heading in this year. Not a lot of trust in big playmakers there. Just a lot of thought in trusting the process. They're going to be good in the trenches, good at running back, a decent uh, quarterback, but not a big name. They haven't had a big name there since Brady Quinn 15 years ago at this point. And it's, it's much the same sentiment heading into the season as it was last year for the Notre Dame Irish. All right. Number six was Texas A&M. They were eight and four in 2021, uh, 25th in the final AP poll, which was released just prior to the bowl games. I think they do one more after that, but that's, that's what I, uh, screen groped, groped, grabbed, groped there. <laughs> that's what I grabbed. 25th in the final AP poll. Um, after going eight and four in uh, 2021 <laughs> preseason <laughs> and preseason, um, number six, uh, at this time last season, they did not play in a bowl game due to uh, COVID issues. I think they were the only team that had that problem. Uh, I think they were matched up against UCLA, if I wasn't mistaken, and they ended up pulling that. Uh, their replacement was Rutgers. I don't know, two years ago. That's yeah, not what we're looking at now. Uh, they entered 2021 uh, as number six in the poll. Um, excuse me, 2022 is number six in the polls. They're thought to be uh, the number one ranked recruiting class ever, as I stated previously. And uh, that class was thought to provide an instant impact 
with the accumulation of talent across the board, particularly uh, on the defensive end for them, particularly on the front four. That uh, would not work out, as we all know. They suffered injuries, including uh, freshman Haynes King, who was the starter, and it, it offensive line issues two years ago. Um, there was a thought that that group would kind of come together last year and, and really be something special with the infusion of the talent, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they started three and two, two seasons back before beating number one Alabama in College Station with a big walk-off field goal, uh, but the team was not in the SEC conversation all year. So the thought was, heading into 22-23, was that they would be healthy, the offensive pieces would come together, the defense would be infused with some young talent, and hell, they managed to beat Alabama despite all the issues the year prior. So this will be a great team, right? This will be a great team. Number seven, Utah won the Pac-12 in 2021 after a one and two start and a quarterback change from Charlie Brewer to Cameron Rising, a name we now all know because he's been a starter for two plus years. Uh, they waxed Oregon twice in three weeks by a combined 76-17 to 17 score. Uh, those of us that were paying attention certainly remember that, uh, expecting to see a really big end-of-the-season matchup there as they wrecked the Ducks and then played them again in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, we thought, you know, maybe the Ducks will make some adjustments, and absolutely not, as they decimated them again two weeks later. So they came out as the clear number one in the conference. It also reflected poorly on that Ohio State team that had lost at home to Oregon earlier in the year. And in retrospect, made a little bit more sense when they fell to Michigan after winning for eight consecutive years or whatever the the lineup was at that particular point. So uh, put a lot of things in perspective after the uh, 21-22 season there. But big year for the Utah Utes. They would lose that shootout to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, they had a couple key players on both sides sitting out, but that was an epic game. And again, Cam rising back for last year. He'll be back again for this season. Number eight was the Michigan Wolverines. They lost to their rival Michigan State, but beat Ohio State soundly, as we just covered. They made the uh, playoffs where they were smothered by Georgia 34-11. Not awesome. Uh, Cade McNamara had a great season at quarterback, but J.J. McCarthy looked promising in limited 2021 time. Uh, the quarterback spot was in question heading into the season, as you remember, in 22. Uh, but Harbaugh would make the announcement that an easy non-conference schedule would allow for a little bit of rotating starts there. Uh, Hawaii and Yukon, they would go back and forth, and he would use that to kind of sort out the starter heading into conference play. Really, he was just looking for a reason to put J.J. in, and um, J.J. didn't let him down. So uh, I was able to go to that um, Hawaii game where he threw a handful of touchdowns in the first half. I believe McNamara did play the back end of that, but as we know, J.J. McCarthy did take the reins. Clemson at number nine. Uh, they lost Brent Venables, their defensive coordinator, who'd been there several years and been a key piece to their national championships there. He was given the keys to Oklahoma, who was reloading after Lincoln Riley in turn had headed to USC, taking several players with him, including Caleb Williams. Oklahoma, uh, 
was 11-2 and two in 2021. Venables had to rebuild a, a bad defense. Lincoln Riley isn't exactly known for that side of the ball. Uh, insert quarterback QB Dylan Gabriel from Central Florida. And in the pilot seat of the offense, good quarterback there. He'll be back this season as well. And uh, he had to navigate a toss-up Big 12, which brings us to number 10 on the list, which was Baylor. Now, the Bears surprised everyone by playing against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game in 2021. Neither of those squads was expected to make it. The Bears were 10-2 and entering the uh, the game there. Oklahoma State was 11-1. A last-second stop on the goal line gave Baylor the win and prevented Oklahoma State from making it into the playoffs. But don't forget that 2021 season. Again, Oklahoma State always expected to be competitive there. Baylor kind of came out of nowhere, just wild, because last season, Kansas State and TCU were expected to be the two hot picks uh, as wild cards in the Big 12 championship race, but neither one of them were picked to uh, to make it there either, let alone win it. So what's going to happen this year in the Big 12? Is Texas really going to make it? Yeah, it just poses a lot of questions. Will Oklahoma make it? I just don't know. Um but yeah, that was the case for Baylor being at number 10 last season. As we know, they didn't end up anywhere near there. Um, but Oklahoma, of course, one spot above in what was a wild card Big 12 there. And it'll be again uh, this season. Number 11 was Oregon. Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator, hot off a title, taking over from Mario Cristobal, who himself went to uh, Miami. He took the job from... Uh, what's his name? That other guy who moved to defensive coordinator for Penn State. We'll get to him shortly. But the old Duckaroos were in at the 11 spot with a new head coach, first time head coach. Um, USC was expected to be in the Pac-12 conversation immediately with Lincoln, Lincoln Riley coming to town. USC, of course, who crushed Oregon twice in the mix there and ranked ahead of them. Bo Nix was a wild card transferring in from Auburn after several years and offensive coordinators and mediocre seasons to take in the uh, quarterback spot. A lot of different movement here, so not sure what to expect from Oregon initially, but they were in the 11th hole. At 12, another Big Ten team, uh, Big 12 team, sorry, that Oklahoma State. So, again, not knowing what's going to happen in the Big 12, but thinking uh, it's going to be very competitive Third Big 12 team in the 9-12 to 12 spot. Voters unsure what to do. Coming off the Big 12 appearance. Always win at least eight games here for uh, Mr. Mike Gundy. So um, not surprising to see them ranked that highly. To kind of run through the back end of the list here, number 13 was NC State. They were 9-3 and three and ranked 20th in the final 2021 AP poll, bringing back a veteran quarterback in uh, Nick Leary and a veteran linebacking group as well. Number 14 was USC, who was 4-8 and eight in 2021. Caleb Williams was expected to do big things. Of course he did. Lincoln Riley, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver of the year, um, transferring in from Pitt to come play with the, uh, the boys there. Number 15 was Michigan State, who was 11-2. They finished 9th in 2021, thanks to Kenneth Walker. Number 16 was the Miami Hurricanes. They were 7-5 in 2021 and finished unranked. Mario Cristobal, like I said, coming in from Oregon. Quarterback Tyler Van Dyke finished out strong. Um, 
projected to possibly a NFL quarterback first rounder if he performed well last season. We know how that went. Not so great. But uh, that's where they were ranked there, 16th, coming off a, a rough season in 2021. Manny Diaz was fired. Man, that was on the tip of my head. Manny Diaz was their uh, former coach there, good defensive coach. Um, he did take the job as defensive coordinator at Penn State. So that's where he will be. That's where he was last season, and um, that'll be great. But that's who uh, Mario Cristobal took the job from there. Number 17 was Pittsburgh. They were 11-3 and and won the ACC championship game against Wake 45-21 to before they were rolled by Michigan State in the Peach Bowl. They finished number 12 in 2021, so they were number 17 in last year's preseason poll. 18 was the Wisconsin Whiskies. Um, they were 9-4, and four, finished unranked after 2021. They missed a shot to make the Big Ten championship game by losing to the Minnesota Gophers in the final regular season game. They beat Arizona State 20-13 to in their bowl game. So Wisconsin, of course, always in the mix. Number 19 was Arkansas. 9-4, 21 in the final poll, beat Texas, uh, lost to Alabama 42-35 on the road, um, beat Penn State in the Outback Bowl, so not a bad squad at all, entering last season. Had a very, very, very difficult um, schedule and had a lot of injuries last year. Tough beat for the uh, Hogs. Number 20 was Kentucky. They'd finished 10-3. and three. They beat Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, which is not difficult when you only have to put up 13 points. Uh, they were bringing back Will Levis, an NFL prospect at quarterback, according to some. At number 21, Old Miss in year three under Lane Kiffin. The Rebels went 10-2 and two in 2021 with losses on the road to Auburn and Alabama, but a nice run through the schedule. Otherwise, they lost to Baylor in the Sugar Bowl when quarterback Matt Corral was injured early and the backup was non-existent. Number 22, Wake Forest was 11-2 behind a high-powered offense, but uh, fell to Pitt in the ACC championship game. They finished 15th, so they were 22nd in the preseason poll, bringing back Sam Hartman at quarterback. Number 23, Cincinnati coming off the playoff run and a 13-1 record, Luke Fickle. Um, still in place there. Number 24 was Houston, coming off a 12-2 record and 17 finish. Still a good program there. 25th was BYU, coming off a 10-3 record and a 19th finish. That was kind of the back end of the poll there. There weren't any big rule changes heading into the 22-23 season. Not like there will be in the 23-24 season. A couple adjustments to observing uh, blocking below the waist a little bit more carefully. Uh, the appealing second half targeting penalties as far as suspensions for the following game, uh, but nothing too concerning, really. Storylines. Uh, so the, some of the big ones, obviously, were the transfer portal and NIL. Now, those went to effect. Uh, the NIL was approved July 1st, 2021. The transfer portal changes were made uh, August 31st, 2021 were two big key dates for those two things, which meant that last year was the first time that there was a big full um, off season and year with those in effect uh, heading into uh, a football season. Because heading into the 21-22 season, those had just went into effect despite um, a lot of discussions around them. So last season with the number one Texas a and recruiting class and number two 
Alabama recruiting class. That was the first time that both the transfer portal rules had changed and the NIL had gone into effect. So this year, the 23-24, where we're continuing to see a lot of transfer portal talk and NIL, a lot of complaints about it, a little too much, quite frankly. I like to see the player movement and compensation. Um, It's only the second full year of that, and last season, as we're discussing, was the first full season that both of those items went into effect. The full transfer portal rules, wherever you want to go. You can certainly go um, if you want to transfer a a second time. There's some stipulations with that. Um, And then NIL, of course. So those are the big storylines heading into last season. And uh, certainly before that, but uh, last season certainly. And uh, let's talk about some of the preseason award nominations of guys that were expected to have big performances. Now, there is a lot of unanimous um, selections, a lot of guys in the mix that probably aren't uh, too surprising. A lot of it's based on previous year performance and a lot of guys that are in preseason selections uh, for first team, second team, third team, that kind of thing, preseason All-American type of stuff, um, end up there, I think, at the end of the season based on the last couple years that I've gone back to look at things and based on um, AP polls and preview magazine stuff and that kind of thing. A lot of them are uh, pretty much the same across the board. There's a few here and there that are different. But last season, you know, Bryce Young got to Alabama, Caleb Williams, USC, CJ Stroud, Ohio State. We're on everybody's uh, radars. One, two, three, somewhere in the mix there. First team, second team, three season, uh, third team, preseason, um, all American guys. Jake Hayner for Fresno State made the fourth team for Phil Steele. He uh, was banged up last year, but certainly uh, had a right to be on uh, some lists. Uh, running backs were B. John Robinson of Texas, Deuce Vaughn of Kansas State, Trivion Henderson of Ohio State, all across the board. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigbutt, wide receiver out of Ohio State, Jordan Addison out of Pitt, uh, Kayshawn Butte uh, out of LSU, Xavier Worthy out of Texas, Quentin Johnston out of TCU, and Josh Downs out of North Carolina. If you were watching football last year, just nationally big games you would know all of those names and uh, they had an impact uh, the year previous as well so you would know all those guys tight end brock bowers of georgia no surprise michael myers of notre dame at offensive tackle uh, you have the kid from northwestern peter schwornowski paris johnson jr out of ohio state connor galvin out of baylor at guard andrew voris out of USC. I always want to say Voorhees. That's not a horror movie. Uh, Layden Robinson of Texas A&M. You have the Minnesota Center, John Schmitz, Jarrett Patterson of Notre Dame, Aluskin, I will not say his name right, but the Michigan Center. A lot of those guys, whether you're looking at uh, Phil Steele, Athens, Lindsay's, CBS Sports, uh, Yahoo, um, AP Selections, those guys are on all the lists all over. Uh, there's not a lot of deviation anywhere, whether it's common mind thought um, or just looking at previous year's performance. There's not a lot of deviation in any of those picks. You know, at defensive line, Jalen Carter out of Georgia, Kilan Cansey out of uh, Pittsburgh as well. Of course, that's uh, Sack Master U over there at Pittsburgh on that defensive line. Will McDonald the fourth out of Iowa State, Miles Murphy out of Clemson, and that defensive line uh, getting a lot of hype 
out of Clemson the past couple of years. And uh, it certainly has not been up there as far as the most productive unit, but they've had injuries. Um, and Brian Brees out of Clemson as well. Linebacker Will Anderson out of Alabama, of course, was receiving Heisman votes after the 21-22 season. Andre Carter II out of Army. Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Noel Sewell out of uh, Oregon. And Jack Campbell, of course, out of Iowa. He's now a Detroit Lion. Kaylee Ringo, as we were talking about earlier, out of Georgia. Riley Moss out of Iowa. Two of the corners. Eli Rogers out of Alabama. Big name. Everyone knows that one. Um, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. All names you know if you've watched these teams. Big key players. As well as Jordan Battle out of Alabama. Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame. Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M. Defensive backs as well. Uh, kickers, Missouri's kicker, Harrison Mevins, um, for those who watched uh, some of the Tigers, and Jake Moody, of course, out of Michigan, and that punter out of Rutgers, Adam Korsak, was always coming out um, to great applause, and uh, really put them in better field position than their offense ever did. I believe he left this season, so Rutgers will have to uh, really generate on the offensive side of the ball, I guess, this season. So if you want to know impact players for this upcoming season, season the 23-24, I'd pay uh, close attention just to who um, the front runners are to make these first, second, third team um, candidates, regardless of where you're looking at. Um, AP nominations, Yahoo, CBS, wherever. Um, there's a lot of consensus, and a lot of it pans out unless there's injury. So a lot of these guys that were preseason uh, selections to be um, key players panned out that way. And at the end of the season, um, we're selected to at least all conference teams for the most part. So a lot of that holds true. Now, we did have the uh, transfer portal, like I said, going, of course. And some of the big names that were on the move there that we all remember. Jordan Addison moving from Pittsburgh to USC. One of the big grabs that Lincoln Riley got, perhaps the biggest grab that he got there. Jackson Dart was kicked out of USC. Not kicked out, shouldn't say that. He decided to transfer out of USC, and he headed to Old Miss to play for Lane Kiffin. He ultimately won the starting job there. So Jackson Dart, um, true freshman, played a few games in their horrible 4-8 season uh, the year previous, but he transferred out. Zach Evans if you remember, uh, transferred out of TCU, TCU to Old Miss, who had a great ground game last year. Of course, he joined Jackson Dart there, but TCU lost a great back there, the team who went to the national championship game last year. So a good player moving from one good team to another. Quinn Ewers enrolled early to go to Ohio State, um, made a couple of appearances there, but ultimately transferred to Texas where he played last year. Of course, he got a little banged up. Um, but looked good against Alabama early on, early in the season, before getting knocked out in the first half there. And um, yeah, it was kind of iffy in the back half of, of the year, but we'll kind of walk through that a little bit as we move forward. Big expectations for this season. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback, moving from Central Florida, where he was very productive, to Oklahoma. He also had some injuries uh, that limited Oklahoma's uh, ceiling offensively, and we know that the Defense was a rebuilding project, to say the least. Georgia Tech has really been in shambles uh, since making a coaching change a few years back. Jamar Gibbs, the running back, moved out and moved to 
Alabama to play for the Crimson Tide. And uh, despite the thought that they would, of course, move back into national championship contention, not that they were that far off, but obviously did not make the playoffs, had even greater issues with playmakers, but Jamar Gibbs was a big piece of that, moving from Georgia Tech to Alabama. Defensive end, uh, Ibe Ayuki. I'm not going to say that right at all, but the Michigan kid, defensive end, moved from UT Martin out there to Wolverine country, making a big impact as another great uh, defensive end there for the Michigan Wolverines in making another playoff appearance. Michael Penex Jr. moving from Indiana to Washington in the 2020 shortened season. He made a name for himself, including the big extension play in overtime for two-point conversion against Penn State, where he hit the pylon, pulled a big upset for uh, over Penn State there on the two-pointer, um, and then had a lost season again as Indiana struggled in 21 and 22. Last season, he transferred to Washington in an otherwise unnoteworthy move and became number two in passing yards nationally, completely changed what was going on there. New head coach um, with some issues that Washington was having, so new head coach, new quarterback transferring in, explosive offense. Turned out to be a really big deal. Spencer Rattler, supposed to win the Heisman a couple years back, struggled, lost his job, no fault of his own, to, of course, uh, Caleb Williams. It's it's tough when you lose your job to a a future Heisman winner. Um, Transferring from Oklahoma to South Carolina there. That situation actually reminds me a bit of a Clemson situation where Trevor Lawrence was such a big prospect and then really bared that out, um, taking over the starting position from Kelly Bryant. You probably don't remember the name, but he was um, the quarterback uh, between Deshaun Watson and Kelly Bryant for Clemson. He did not win a national championship there, but he did win an ACC title led uh, a really great team there for a full year as a starter, Uh, played a couple years behind uh, Deshaun Watson before he took over the starting role. And then uh, when Trevor Lawrence was a freshman and Kelly Bryant uh, didn't even really struggle, um, but the offense as a whole was a little bit problematic. Trevor Lawrence ultimately came in and phased him out and Kelly Bryant eventually um, transferred to Missouri Finished out his career. I think he was a little banged up. I'm not even sure if he got drafted into the NFL, but just disappeared. Um, Debo didn't even give him a, a championship ring um, when they did win that uh, the Trevor Lawrence freshman season, which is a bit unfortunate because Kelly was there for part of that and a longtime tenured uh, Clemson Tiger. Uh, but I'm going off on a tangent a bit here. But Spencer Rattler, similar situation. He could still be a great quarterback. The back end of... South Carolina year last season, obviously, two big wins, Clemson and uh, Notre Dame, I believe it was, even after a so-so season, um, just losing his job to what could be the best talent since Trevor Lawrence and Caleb Williams, just a similar situation, just getting phased right out of the position. Uh, It's just a tough, tough situation for him, but he moved um, from Oklahoma to South Carolina last season. Cameron Ward was another quarterback that was on the move. He moved from Incarnate Word, followed his offensive coordinator to Washington State. 
Of course, they had uh, gone through a coaching change after their prior regime was the only staff to not get a vaccination. Um, I think in the whole country, I think that was uh, then required under the NCAA mandate. That piece I don't have in my notes here, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But um, that staff was, I believe, the only one, at least in Division One football, uh, in the country that had multiple firings, including their head coach, due to not following uh, a vaccination mandate. So new staff there, a new offensive coordinator, Cameron Ward, uh, following his OC over from Incarnate Ward. And uh, they won a, a big game early over Wisconsin there uh, in uh, Wisconsin country, in Badger country there. Mario Williams, wide receiver, moved from Oklahoma to USC as well, following his quarterback and his head coach, Bo Nix, of course, moving from Auburn, where he had a different offensive coordinator every single year, to the Oregon Ducks, who are rebuilding, um, not rebuilding, retooling, we'll say, uh, with a new head coach and a uh, just a new roster there. He was one of the pieces. Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, heading to Kent State, taking over the starting position there. Uh, JT Daniels from Georgia to West Virginia. Of course, he'd already moved from USC to Georgia. Went to another program, his third program, West Virginia, last season. And if I'm not mistaken, he's at yet another program this year. Rice. He's at Rice this year. Yep, that's where he's at. So, um, JT Daniels, just skipping around. Don't forget that if you're looking at betting lines or spreads. Uh, Rice has like a real quarterback this year. Just, just keep that in the back of your mind. He may have been at several different schools and working his way down as he goes, but JT Daniels is playing at Rice this season. He was the former Gatorade Male Athlete of the Year in high school. He had some injury issues last season that Stenson Bennett just ended up coming in and taking the job, but uh, it was really a fight when he was healthy that kind of kept the kept the position there so arguably if he was still uh, in good shape it's possibility that um, Stenson would still be on the bench and um, yeah the USC year he had there was just just bad so uh, it's possible um, you know West Virginia also in a bad bad shape um, surprising that their coach has made it into this season he could be the first one out the door in the 23-24 season so um, tough luck some injuries but still a talented kid so um, just keep that in mind. Keldon Slovic, Slovis, another talented guy moving from USC to Pitt. Uh, a four and eight season really screws things up for you. Two top quarterback prospect prospects there in uh, Jackson Dart and Slovis, and um, all of a sudden they're both on the move. Um, Slovis went to uh, Pittsburgh there. Mixed results on the season. Um, yeah, we'll see what he does uh, this year. Uh, Jaden Delora. Moved from that Washington State Cougar program to Arizona. Arizona's over/under last year, I believe, was two and a half, and they more than they doubled that. They doubled that. They didn't quite make a bowl game, and he was great. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in uh, in 2021, and he was able to do a good job with Arizona last year. It came close to beating USC actually, so uh, that was a good move for Delora. One of the other notable ones uh, was Michigan getting a big center and the uh, former Outland Trophy and Remington Trophy winner in uh, Uskum, who moved from Virginia to Michigan to uh, play a little bit better ball there. That was a huge get uh, in the football world landscape. 
um, even if he wasn't a big name wide receiver and certainly assisted that team there. Uh, Kyle Van Trees moved from Buffalo to Georgia Southern. Not notable to most folks, but he was top five in passing yards last season for a good Georgia Southern team there in the Sunbelt Conference. A um, couple guys moved out of Alabama to other programs. Drew Sanders at linebacker moved to Arkansas from uh, the Tide. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, big tight end, moved to Texas. He's been uh, productive for them. Uh, Jermaine Burton moved from Georgia to Alabama. That was a notable um, offseason note as well. And uh, there were several others, but those were uh, some of the big ones there. So, big coaching changes. Lincoln Riley, of course, from Oklahoma to USC, replacing Clay Helton. That was probably, oh, we had lots of big moves, so I can't even say it's the biggest move. Uh, Clay Helton, though, went to that Georgia Southern program, so watch out for that group there. Um, They were a decent squad last year, uh, came close to beating UCLA. Jim Mora, former UCLA guy there, uh, another former Power 5 and NFL coach, took over a small program in UConn. He spent his last four years actually in television, so he's been kind of out of the game a little bit, but got them to respectability last season. Brent Venables moved from the Clemson defensive coordinator position to the Oklahoma Sooners. Tony Elliott moved to Virginia to take over for Bronco Mendenhall. He also moved from the Clemson um, coaching tree there. Uh, Mario Cristobal moved from Oregon to Miami. As stated already, uh, replacing Manny Diaz, who took the Penn State defensive coordinator position. So that was also a big move. Now, where did the former Penn State defensive coordinator go? Well, that was Brent Pry, and he went and took Virginia Tech's head coaching position. Daniel Lanning, Georgia defensive coordinator, went and took the Oregon head spot. Brian Kelly was the other huge move, taking over LSU for Ed Ogeron. Um, assistant Marcus Freeman then took over at Notre Dame. So that was a couple big moves there. Billy Napier made the leap from Louisiana and the Sun Belt to Florida to replace Dan Mullen there. Gary Patterson was bumped out of TCU after a long tenure and he became a special consultant at Texas. Then, um, he's not on the sidelines. He's not really on the coaching staff. Not really sure what he does. Not sure if he holds that title this year. But that's officially what he was um, noted as becoming in the uh, college football news cycles. Sonny Dykes from SMU then took over that TCU job. And um, obviously, if we were watching football last year, you heard a whole lot about Sonny Dykes in there. A nice run there. Rat Lashley took over the uh, SMU job then um, after his offensive coordinator quarterback uh, coaching duty at Miami. So that's where he came out from. Washington removed the intern tag from Calden DeBoyer. Um, Coach Jimmy Lake uh, was a gentleman that was fired after a sideline exchange with a player in 2021. And uh, just some weirdness there. Uh, but Lake is gone. Keldon DeBoyer took over as the intern and again brought in Michael Penix. And the two of them are supercharged and ready to um, do some bigger things even this year. Washington State removed the intern tag from defensive coordinator Jake Dickert. What a name. He took over after Nick Rolovich was released after the weird vaccination dispute, we'll call, uh, from 2020-2021. So those are some of the notable coaching changes. Again, Lincoln Riley was 
one of the big ones along with Brian Kelly, I'd say just two notable guys moving from big programs to another big program. Of course, uh, Mario, Mario, Mario crystal ball. There we go. Mario crystal ball, uh, moving to Miami because that's such a big position. Brent Venables at Oklahoma and Dan Lanning at Oregon, because those three are such big programs. Billy Napier at Florida too, um, or some of the other ones, Gary, Patterson also being notable because of TCU's success as well. So let's talk about the actual season and the week-to-week games a little bit. Week zero, a tradition unlike any other. Only a handful of games, a couple handfuls. Usually I think we've got seven this year. Last year, about the same thing. Only a couple Power 5 teams really participate and only one um, semi-decent game really is the Big Ten participates um, in the interconference game every year. Last season it was Northwestern in Nebraska in a Viva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. What a stellar matchup. Nothing quite like sending Nebraska University who's about to fire its coach and a little private-sized school out of Illinois over the ocean there and to show off um, for our friends over there in Ireland in a um, small little uh, cupcake game there. Scott Frost's job was indeed on the hot seat after uh, a difficult time making the move from his great time at Central Florida, where they were the self-described national champions in was that the 2018-17-18 season after going undefeated that year. He struggled to be um, productive in the Big Ten. Well, sending him overseas uh, was not awesome, but it was a great win for Northwestern. They led 17-14 to at the half. Nebraska scored two touchdowns in 30 seconds of game time in the third quarter to come back and take a 28-17 to lead. Northwestern ultimately rallied and won 31-28. to Wildcats missed a field goal that could have been critical, um, but two fourth-quarter Casey Thompson interceptions by the uh, Texas transfer there sealed the Nebraska implosion, including one in trying to make a uh, drive, put together a drive to win the game with under a minute to go. Um, Really sealed the deal there. The former Texas transfer was supposed to steady the ship, but he threw for 355 yards and uh, the wheels just came off for him. Too many turnovers. The uh, Northwestern ran for over 200 yards on the slow grind. And uh, the Wildcats would not win another game on the year. They have not won a game in the United States in uh, over a season now. So that certainly didn't help the Scott Frost um, buzz on the hot seat there with a loss overseas in uh, in that game. Um, decent gap back and forth game. Um Let's open the season, though. Illinois also played. They played uh, Wyoming, 38-6. to Waxed them off pretty good there. Showed off their defensive front, which was top five in the country um, in some uh, defensive uh, categories there. Vanderbilt exploded for 35 points in the third quarter in a 63-10 to win over Hawaii. Not much was expected of the Islanders last season, but not a lot's usually expected of Vanderbilt. Um, that would show a little bit of their offense there as they had one of their best seasons in a long time last season. It started by putting 63 points as a decent team, at least should, on a bad Hawaii team. 
North Carolina, piloted by Drake May, would win 56-24 to over Texas A&M. May displayed his ability, as they say, going 28 of 37, 29 of 37, I can count, uh, for 294 yards, five touchdowns, and the defense showed its inability, giving up 279 passing yards to the Rattlers, Rattlesnakes of Florida A&M. Now, May took over for Sam Howell, who went on to the NFL. He was drafted by the Commanders. Not much was known about May. Top prospect. Mac Brown up there recruits quite a few of them. We just weren't sure what he was going to be, and he's going to be the number two, arguably the number two quarterback in the country behind Caleb Williams at USC, uh, heading into the 23-24 season, and that was really built on the back of great offensive performances last year, but he had to do that a lot. Defense was not very good. Another mark, unfortunately, um, of Mac Brown teams there at University of North Carolina, unfortunately. It's not been the same since his Texas days. Florida State also uh, waxed Duquesne. Just another, uh, just a footnote there, really. And uh, just to prove to myself that I can indeed pronounce Duquesne. Week number one, which is a big week every year, going into uh, Labor Day. So we generally get football. We did last year's. We did this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, the first full week of college football. And we get five straight days of games. And we usually get at least one great game every day. It's not like we get some unwatchable garbage in there. Pretty much at least a few marquee matchups every single day. Thursday open with the backyard brawl rivalry between West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh, of course, piloted by Slovic from USC. JT Daniels at West Virginia. Um, 38-31 was the final for Pittsburgh, but JT Daniels was driving late in a great back-and-forth game. His receiver couldn't quite get his hands under the ball late, but nearly um, had an opportunity to tie this game and send it into overtime. It all comes down to this. Daniels takes a shot. Was that caught? That was Reese Smith. We got to see that one again. And the officials are discussing it. That ball's moving. Matt Austin. It's coming down to this call right here. His hand under it? No. The ball's yeah. moving. That's no, not that a catch. Ball, I agree with Lewis. That ball's rolling into the end zone. That's going to be incomplete. We've had 133 ball plays tonight. After further review, the receiver lost possession of the ball when it hit the ground. The pass is incomplete. Will be first down kick at the previous spot. Again, that was a fourth and sixteen from the fifteen yard line, but the ball was dropped at the two. That was coming off of the previous drive, which was a pick six on a tie game, uh, where JT Daniels' uh, throw was returned for what would be the game-winning score by Pittsburgh. So just tough luck there uh, for JT Daniels trying to make up for his own mistake. But another um, great game there, the first great game, I wouldn't call them Nebraska and Northwestern quite that, Uh, but our first great game there on Thursday night. 
Uh, Tennessee did roll Ball State 59-10 for a little foreshadowing of how the season would look. We did have another interesting game uh, that I was watching. Central Michigan had the ball down 58-44 to with 2.13 left at number 12 Oklahoma State. The Chips were returning the 2021 leading rusher nationally and Lewis Nichols the third. He was banged up late last season and, and struggled a little bit, but um, great running back there. Cowboys defense didn't look so hot coming off that 2021 Big 12 championship game, allowing the Chips to put 44 points on them. Um, the Chippewas did have an opportunity uh, in the game to possibly put uh, another touchdown on the board, maybe go for an onside kick. Um, there was a lot of complaints about uh, a pass interference call that probably should have been called uh, flagged you know, to extend their drive there. But 58-44 to Central Michigan and Oklahoma State Number 12, Oklahoma State, exchanging blows on a Thursday night in the official week one opener. Um, OSU did lose to Central Michigan. Just a little history lesson here back in 2016 um, in a close game. Um, Ohio State was trying to run the ball out in that particular game and actually threw the ball out of bounds on a fourth down with zeros on the clock rather than punt the ball away and risk something fluky happening. As it so happens, uh, no men were downfield um, or past the line of scrimmage, so they actually drew a penalty flag. And since it was fourth down, it was a turnover. So Central Michigan got to run one untimed play down three points from their own 49-yard line in that 2016 matchup between the two. The ball was caught. The ball was up in the air. It was caught at the nine-yard line. The ball was then lateraled by the receiver backward as he was being tackled to a receiver that caught the ball, raced across the field east-west, so that he could get away from defenders himself and dove into the end zone at the last second to score a game-winning touchdown. The highlights on that are pretty crazy. Uh, maybe I'll drop them in here. Uh, but that was the 2016 Oklahoma State-Central Michigan um, game there. Uh, very strange. I'm not sure why these two teams continue to play each other. Uh, but the 2022 win was Mike Gundy's 150th a win with Oklahoma State. Um, so there we go. Just a fun little uh, lesson there on Central Michigan and Oklahoma State's mighty battles. And Oklahoma State will move to 2-0 oh on the season. You know that there is respect from Mike Gundy for John Bonamigo. The officials getting together right now. And the they flag, flag is thrown. John Bonamigo's kept clapping. The chips are still in it. Intentional grounding. Number two was still in the pocket, and there was no receiver in the area. That's a loss of down foul at the spot of the foul, and there will be one untimed down. Wow. First down, Central Michigan. You can't just throw it up, I guess. There wasn't anybody in the area. They didn't run anybody down the field. And the hipper rush is in a shotgun. Three players lined up essentially by the goal line. Rush stepping up, throwing to Crow, catches the lateral. Here comes Willis, Willis racing to the end zone. Touchdown! Unbelievable! Central Michigan does it! 
in a game that most other folks watched. Penn State at Purdue was the big highlight game uh, for that Thursday. The Nittany Lions in a battle with the Boilermakers until Sean Clifford, the 20-year veteran at quarterback, puts together an eight-play, 80-yard touchdown drive for his fourth touchdown pass of the night to pull away 35-31, to a rarity for him as the Nittany Lions would rely on a couple of very young, true freshman running backs to kind of put their offense together last year. But nevertheless, four touchdown passes, and he was competing with Aiden O'Connell on the other side. 365 yards, only one touchdown pass for him, but 59 attempts as the running attack for Purdue was atrocious last year. However, Charlie Jones really emerged as an elite receiver last year, as one of the better high-volume guys in the country for the Boilermakers. He had 12 catches on 19 attempts for 153 yards and a touchdown in that particular game against the Nittany Lions. He would finish on the year number one in the country in catches, number two in receiving yards, and number five in touchdowns. Top five in all three categories. Wild. But it would really be a preview of two of the arguably better teams in the Big Ten with Purdue ultimately winning the West and the Nittany Lions coming just behind Ohio State and Michigan in the East. Friday was a much lighter slate, uh, September 2nd. Uh, Michigan State was looking sluggish against Western Michigan but pulled it out 35-13. to It was a real indicator though, not always but in that particular case, it was of a rough season. Indiana beat Illinois 23-20 in the Illini second game of the season already. Um, tough loss for the Illini, though, as they would be in the uh, West race in the Big Ten. Um, but that defensive front um, just couldn't put Indiana away. Offense struggled a bit. Uh, just a surprising loss when you look back on the season with how difficult uh, time Indiana had and how um, really good Illinois was on the uh defensive front and they struggled toward the back end of the season but still a surprising loss old dominion punched out a struggling virginia tech program 20 to 17 tcu smashes colorado 38 to 13 and what would be an average margin of defeat for the buffs on the season of course this year 23 24 that'll be a big matchup with deon sanders of course taking the helm there at colorado So we will get to see that matchup in a much much brighter light uh, this upcoming season. Shane Morrison, the starting quarterback for TCU, leaves in the third quarter with a leg injury. The backup, who barely lost the starting job, Max Duggan, comes in for the last quarter, goes a modest 2-for-3 for 27 yards. Morris, before he went down, had 111 not a great passing night. TCU had 275 yards on the ground, but that's where things started to get cooking there for TCU. Don't forget, Max Duggan was the backup there. Shane Morrison's back healthy this year, starting for TCU. What will he do with the quarterback position? Saturday, finally, the first big Saturday, and even that's arguable with a distribution of games, but first big Saturday week one in the fall. North Carolina who would be giving us a whole bunch of games that were interesting early. They survived Appalachian State 63-61, to and this was on the tail end of giving up a bundle of points to the Florida A&M uh, Rattlers, Rattlesnakes. They're snakes. I know that. Um, 
in the uh, week zero game there. But Appalachian State was down 20 points, 20 points in the fourth quarter. They outscored North Carolina 40 to 22 in the fourth. It's not even like they shut the offense down for the Tar Heels. No, there were 62 combined points scored in the fourth quarter. It was just nonstop, nonstop points all over the place. Now, Appalachian State dropped a two-point conversion to take the lead with 31 seconds left. The finish to this was even wilder than just 60-plus points scored. So they attempted an onside kick to get the ball back. UNC grabs the onside kick, returns it for a touchdown. Now, the problem with that is you're supposed to go down with the ball depending on time, timeout situation. Because returning the ball for a kick, uh, for a touchdown, kicking the extra point, the margin's now eight points again. So Appalachian State gets the ball back, down eight points. 19 seconds is the difference. Appalachian State makes a big pass, gets the ball near midfield, Scores again. Scores yet again. And now they have to go for two for the tie. But they come up just short. Can't quite get it. But we were that close to going to overtime. Game didn't even go to overtime. 63-61 was the final. But it was just wild all the way up until the very end. Good Appalachian State team. Uh, North Carolina with an atrocious defense. Um, So that made uh, two weeks. Two weeks, two games played, over 100 points, and just shy of 1,000 yards given up to Florida A&M and Appalachian State. Now, Drake May pitched another 352 yards and four touchdowns. He had 76 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown, too. Led his team in rushing, and that gave him nine touchdowns on the year already and almost 800 yards, 700-plus yards. Chase Bryce, the quarterback for Appalachian State, had six touchdowns as well. Bryce going towards the end zone. What else can this game bring us? Robinson, touchdown. And now they're a two-point conversion away from tying it with nine seconds left. Well, Mark, you can't have that if you're North Carolina. You just can't have it. Davis in motion. Bryce looking. He's going to try to run for it. He stopped short. He lost the football. North Carolina keeps Bryce out of the end zone. That same afternoon, the NC State Wolf Pack struggles mightily against East Carolina. They get lucky. Pull it out 21-20. to NC State had a touchdown lead with five and a half minutes to play. Devin Leary, the veteran quarterback, threw a bad interception that was returned to the Pirates' 30-yard line. And indeed, they did sail right into the end zone. But they missed the extra point, so they were down one. They were able to make a good stop, as they did most of the afternoon, and get the ball back from the Wolfpack, only to miss a 41-yard field goal as time was starting to run out on them. And uh, that was it. Missed extra point for a tie game. Missed field goal to win it. And NC State holds on to win, despite the fact that they did not score in the second half of the game. Iowa survived South Dakota State 7-3. to 396 total yards of offense between the two teams. An average of 
1.4 yards per passing attempt, 17 total first downs, 7 for 33 combined on third down, 851 total punting yards on 21 punts, and 4 fumbles. South Dakota probably could have won if they didn't have 12 penalties, but they were still right there. One bounce of the ball on literally any of these um, goofy passes, fumbles, something. But what a disgusting game. I definitely watched the last few minutes of that and could have lived without it. Virginia struggled with Richmond um, 34-17. Texas A&M didn't exactly dazzle in a 31-0 win against Sam Houston, which, uh, by the way, they bumped up to the uh, top division here. And we'll join the conference, no, Sunbelt Conference, I believe, this year. As a side note, UCLA gave up uh, a few points and a 45-17 to win over Bowling Green. Nebraska beat North Dakota 38-17. to Kentucky beat Miami of Ohio 37-13. Washington State beat Idaho 24-17. to Idaho is not even FCS level anymore. They dropped. I think they dropped all the way down to Division II. And South Carolina beat Georgia State. Again, a feisty team there. 35-14 to is a few um, games that might uh, ring a few bells. The Arizona Wildcats played San Diego State, and that was a 38-20 game. It was a big win. It was not expected for uh, the Wildcats to grab that victory as they had a a tough non-conference schedule. But Jaden Delora there, 299 yards, four touchdowns. Jacob Cowling, one of the top receivers in the country that he kind of morphed into by the time the season was over with. A lot expected of him this year as well. Eight catches, 152 yards, three touchdowns, um, just an under-the-radar receiver nationally. The Aztecs would keep the ball on the ground per Blake, uh, Blake, Brady Hoke's style, still a forgettable name, and they recorded only 232 yards of offense total, and that would be a struggle the entire season. You can go through and count how many games they had with less than 300 yards of total offense, really miserable the Aztecs who are making some changes going into this year. Houston had a big game against UTSA. Frank Harris, a great quarterback there, one of the best non-Power 5 quarterbacks, might be the best. Good receiving core. They will be again heading into this season. But a triple overtime win for Houston, who is projected to play Cincinnati in the American Conference Championship next game. Those two are thought to be on a collision course. They were not playing in the regular season so it's thought to be just a, a pencil it in they're probably going to end up in the conference championship game obviously that did not happen uh frank there at uh, quarterback 330 yards passing 63 rushing four total touchdowns cypress one of his top receivers there seven catches 106 yards and a touchdown franklin nine for 100 clark six for 70 and two touchdowns Clayton Toon for Houston at four total touchdowns. It was year two of the newer triple overtime rules. Uh, Once you get past two overtimes, um, it's one play moving forward to try and score two points. Essentially two-point conversion overtimes moving forward. So that's that's how it went um, with UTSA um, falling to Houston in that triple overtime on the one play attempt. 
Tank Dell for Houston would be a beast on the season. Top receiver, number one in receiving yards nationally with just under 1,400. Uh, number two in receptions with 109. That was one behind Charlie Jones at Purdue. Also number one in touchdowns nationally with 17. So one, two, one in those categories. Just an elite receiver. Florida in another big game. One of the top billings beat Utah, who came to town. 29-26 to 26 off a cam rising pick late in the end zone. Of course, another kind of tough game there for Anthony Richardson. His first as the starting quarterback, um, for sure. He chased Emory Jones out of there, who he was kind of competing with the previous season in 2021. But um, Anthony Richardson was able to put a drive together for a, um, a touchdown to take a lead. Cam rising, driving in the red zone again late. And just a tough pick at the very end of the game and not able to to pull off a comeback there. So that was a big win for Billy Napier in game number one. And Anthony Richardson um, coming in there with the uh, starting spot locked down. Right now, if you're Utah, you probably have to throw the ball given the seven seconds off the clock. Rising is six of eight on this drive. Second and goal. Four-man rush. Enzo. Intercepted. Yes. Amari Bernie with a diving pick. Emory Jones went on to Arizona State last season. This year he'll be playing at Cincinnati. So he's at three schools in three years. Uh, much like JT Daniels bouncing around. 168 yards passing, 104 yards rushing, and three rushing touchdowns for Anthony Richardson in that game. Uh, Travion Thomas, 115 yards. Cam Rising had a tough go of it, uh, but that was one of the premier games in that week one, along with Arkansas and Cincinnati, speaking of Bearcats. 31-24 to in a very sloppy game. Lots of turnovers. Lots of penalties. It was kind of boring, I dare say, with how um, gross it really was. Um, the post-playoff run starting off against an SEC team went pretty well for Cincinnati hanging around, but the quarterback position was a big question mark uh, post-Esmond Ritter. Ben Bryant was f- fine, I guess. Um, not a lot of, of, of greatness from the quarterback position there. Cincinnati, again, didn't win the American Conference last year. Um, as we uh, remember, uh, or we'll recap here, and um, again, Luke Fickle moved on after last season. So lots of changes going on for Cincinnati. They're moving to the Big 12. Um, just not a, a lot of inspiration from the quarterback position last year. K.J. Jefferson, would spend most of his year banged up. Um, a lot of the secondary as well in the back end for Arkansas is banged up. Lots of problems. Tough schedule. Um, he had an okay stat line. That particular game, four touchdowns, one on the ground, um, but not great without some of those scores, arguably. But that was um, that was a game that happened. So Georgia crushed Oregon 49-3 to in what was another, uh, probably the biggest headline out of all three of those games, and it was over early. Now again, Oregon, new staff, new head coach and Dan Lanning, Bo Nix transferring in. The squad flew across the country to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, there and was was throttled 
Uh, supposed to be a neutral site game. Obviously, it's in uh, the state of Georgia. Stenson Bennett had 368 yards, two touchdowns. Ironically, uh, Georgia's season started out at it by thumping what turned out to be a really good football team. Just not quite on Georgia's level, but uh, just a flattening early. Obviously, Oregon got its feet or its webbed feet uh, under it and um, got it together there. But tough start to the season and really disappointing if you didn't catch, uh, you know, Florida, Utah or um, a couple of the other games here, Arkansas, Cincinnati. I guess you weren't too disappointed if you missed that one, but that was supposed to be a premier game and it sucked. Now, number two, Ohio State did beat number five, Notre Dame, 21 to 10. That was a bit of a slugfest as well. It was kind of Ohio State gradually pulling away in a fight in the trenches. Jackson Smith, Smith, the Jigba was hurt, didn't return, got hurt early, and then didn't play much the rest of the season. Marvin uh, Harrison Jr., who looked good at the end of 2021 again, held steady, played well. Emeka Obuka. Nine catches, 90 yards, touchdown. Notre Dame was blanked in the second half, only managed 253 yards total. Um, Ohio State's defense held strong, looked good again with new defensive coordinator there, Jim Knowles out of Oklahoma State. And um, yeah, so a top five matchup, slow grind to the end though. Just a couple other noteworthy games here. Number 21, Ole Miss fought off Troy. 28 to 10. Troy is not the traditional Sunbelt power that it was for a while in the maybe late 2010s. It's really fallen to the um, almost middle of the pack there. There's a lot of good teams in the Sunbelt. Appalachian State uh, is one of them. Louisiana has been good. James Madison is in there now. Um, Georgia Southern, Georgia state um, several teams in there are are at least competitive even if they don't always show up in the wins it's a deep conference now it's not just troy wins 10 games every year and everyone else just just hangs around and gets beat up uh the Sun Belt is a, a an interesting conference uh, and has been for several years now and looks to be at least moving forward even though they're not big players as far as the power five level and big players in some of the conference realignment. There's still a very interesting uh, collection of teams to check out. But in this game, Zach Evans had 130 yards on the ground with a transfer. Judkins, the freshman, 87 yards and a touchdown for a potent ground game. Jackson Dart, who won the quarterback job over Luke Altmeyer, was fine, 194 yards of offense and a touchdown. Lane Kiffin changed the entire offense after, uh, depending on the arm of Matt Corral in 2021, moved it to a ground-centric focused, um, really focusing on the running backs, and he was really successful. So it's really a credit to him in recognizing what he can do to fit the system to the players that he has on the team there. Um, Will Rogers in a game for Mississippi State. Threw for 450 yards and five touchdowns in a 49-23 win over the Memphis Tigers. Great look for a good starter there. Cade McNamara starts his final game for Michigan in a 51-7 Colorado State win. There is another good game here. Oregon State beat Boise State 34-17. Noteworthy because Hank Bachmeyer threw two picks early and hit the bench. 
Taylin Green would eventually take over uh, the game here and the starting spot later on. He ran for 102 yards and a touchdown, threw for 155. Um, interesting sophomore. He officially has the starting job in 2023-24. His offensive coordinator would get fired a little bit down the line, and Hank would hit the transfer portal, so that would clear the way. But Oregon State looking good early over Boise State. Um, just something to keep an eye on. It is interesting to see how some of the Mountain West teams match up against some of the Pac-12 teams early in the season, I think, um, because some of the Mountain West squads are, are interesting competition there. Caleb Williams, in his debut, had 317 yards of offense and a 66-14 win against Rice. My first thought was, how the hell did you give up 14 points against Rice? And uh, we would learn that that would be problematic. Jordan Addison did have two touchdowns as well in his debut with the Trojans. Let's scamper along now to Sunday, the Sunday on opening weekend. Florida State and LSU, and it'll be a great rematch when we get it again this year. But they played in the Superdome in New Orleans. Jordan Travis for Florida State. Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer in at quarterback for the Tigers. Big first contest for Brian Kelly after departing Notre Dame. Florida State ultimately won the entertaining but sloppy game that actually showed that both teams would be trending upward. Florida State was up in the game 24-10 to with just over four minutes to play. LSU was able to put a drive together to cut the lead to a touchdown um, with that much time left, four minutes. They were able to get a stop and then put together a 99-yard drive where they got all the way down to the one-yard line with one second left, and a big pass by Jaden Daniels put the ball in the end zone. But the game ended when the extra point was blocked. The extra point was blocked. So 24-23 to there was the final. Speed option. And just throw it right out there in the flat off a mesh or a pick. Let's decide it. Right here in New Orleans, Jaden Daniels. Storylines were kind of all over the place coming out of this. Uh, Keishan Butte for LSU had six targets, but only two catches for 20 yards. He was viewed as one of the top wideouts in the country coming into the season. He was upset during the game. He was upset after the game. I think it was one of those deals where he wiped his social media accounts of all LSU stuff. Um, thoughts that he might transfer on the bubbled up because he wasn't as involved as he liked. Thought to be a top wide receiver pick in the draft. And just a lot of how to do about um, booty, booty. Um, that didn't turn into a whole lot, as LSU had a very successful season there. He's now with the Patriots. Um, they badly needed a difference maker, so maybe he'll get a shot there. But in this game, uh, Jare Jenkins had five catches on five targets for 46 yards and two touchdowns. 
He's now with Jacksonville, actually. Jacksonville Jaguars. Brian Thomas Jr. had five grabs. Malik Neighbors had five grabs. So we learned the whole wide receiver room is pretty loaded. Plus, Daniels wouldn't have a breakout season passing the football. 209 yards passing here, 114 rushing. Um, and that'd be a similar case moving forward in this year. He's going to do a little bit of both. Not a great passer, but he's going to have another loaded receiving room. That seems to be the trend, at least while he's under center there. This game had a, a missed field goal, a couple sloppy fumbles, just some sloppy play, and actually coined the term amongst my uh, viewing friends of this is entertaining football, but not good football to kind of describe what we're viewing as it was an entertaining game. It was a fun game. It was a close game, but it was not well executed by either squad. So entertaining football and good football can be different things. So came up with a few fun phrases out of that. This is entertaining, but not good football. And that's how I would describe LSU and Florida State in 2022. Hopefully a little bit different moving forward. Monday was a standalone game, Clemson, and Clemson will have one again this upcoming year. Last year it was Clemson and Georgia Tech. 41-10 to was the final. Wasn't beautiful for Clemson, who brought the fears of a lingering, disappointing 2021 to life. After a dominating first three quarters that only resulted in a 24-10 to lead, um, I did watch the back half of this game, but the Tigers just blew out Georgia Tech appropriately on the scoreboard in the fourth quarter. They just, not a good Georgia Tech team. So kind of a unfortunate ending to a great slate of games with Monday turning into a blowout. But at least you thought Georgia Tech had a shot for a little while there, despite, despite the huge uh, discrepancy in a playability and competition there. I should mention that uh, LSU-Florida game actually came down to a blocked field goal. That's how uh, Florida State ended up winning that game. That was the last note that I had here. Just a sloppy game, though. Blocked field goal. Great by Florida State, but uh, just a tough way to uh, to lose that game. And it just figures. Uh, it should be very interesting heading into uh, the 23-24 season with that game um, early on the docket. But the, the years of not having big non-conference games the first couple weeks are really gone. We're going to have uh, good games throughout the first few weeks of the um, of the season. So heading into week two then, the big game. In week two, we already had Florida-Utah, Arkansas-Cincinnati, and Oregon-Alabama, and Florida State-LSU. So week two, big game. And it is, again, this year. Alabama, number one, heading to Austin, Texas to take on the Longhorns. And it was 10 to 10 at halftime. Bryce Young struggled. He finished with 213 yards and a touchdown. Quinn Ewers, in only his second game as a starter, his second game as a starter, a lot of hype about this kid. Top recruit in the 20, I'll say 2020 recruiting class. I'm sure COVID interrupted his um, high school playing days. Enrolled early in Ohio State, sat on the bench, transferred to Texas. So just not a lot of actual playing for this guy. And he was still 18, maybe 19 years old, just super young. He injured his shoulder in the uh, first half, and it looked not great. 
Um, Hudson Card was able to finish the game, still a starter quality quarterback, and he'll be starting for Purdue this season after transferring. But the offensive numbers weren't great for either team. Card passed for 158, Ewers were for 134. Bijan Robinson was going to be the focal point of the offense the entire season. He had 57 yards rushing at less than three yards per carry did have 73 yards receiving. Jameer Gibbs had 18 total touches for 173 yards and two touchdowns for the Tide. Alabama had 15 penalties, which was the talking point coming out, the most in the Saban era. That led to speculation that the Tide could be in trouble, and Texas could have won the game if Ewers was healthy. 33-yard field goal is what it took for um, Alabama to knock this, knock this game out. Young scrambled for 20 yards on the last drive, uh, pulling out of a sack, actually, to keep a play alive and get a nice chunk of yardage. It wasn't on a key fourth down or third long or anything like that, but he did grab a critical 20-yard dodge, uh, dodging a sack, pulling out and running 20 yards to help set up this big 33-yard field goal. 20-19 to is the final in the game as uh, sights look great for Texas moving forward despite a loss and not so great for Alabama coming out. And um, you can kind of debate, really, on the final results of both of their seasons. Alabama obviously missed the playoff, and Texas didn't even make the Big 12 championship game, but at least the narrative coming out of that game was, uh, as stated, Alabama in trouble because it was so close, and Texas looking good because it was so close just puts a different perspective with how highly regarded um, Alabama really has been the past decade. Young, under pressure, plays contained. Young runs it. Young, first down and more. What a play by the Heisman Trophy winner. Bryce Young, a 19-yard gain, dodging bullets. The transfer from Ohio State misses the tackle. Boom. Young dips under. Look at me. He goes down. Dips in towards the line of scrimmage. And then he's out, outside. Oh, the flexibility, the athleticism, the awareness. Young, sidearms, caught and out of bounds. Position here, right hash for a field goal to potentially win it. Riker tied a career high earlier today with the 52-yarder. This one from 33 yards away. Clean snap, good haul, and once again, right down Main Street. And Alabama takes a 20-19 lead with 10 seconds remaining. Ohio State had no problems with Arkansas State. Jackson Smith and the Jigba uh, still out after the Notre Dame game. Harrison and Fleming. Fleming was also out for this one, but Harrison stepped into a bigger role here. 45 to 12 was the final there. 351 and four touchdowns for Stroud. Harrison had seven catches, 184 and three touchdowns. Kansas State buried Missouri in a power five out of conference battle. 40 to 12 was the final there. Deuce Vaughn, six yards per carry, 145 and two touchdowns. Adrian Martinez only had 101 yards passing. Didn't look super impressive, but uh, his ability to scramble in the Deuce Vaughn's legs were really the offense for Kansas State last year. 16, Arkansas, plucks off South Carolina 44-30 to a week after the big Cincinnati win, so they looked good kind of starting off there early. K.J. Jefferson um, 
265 on the ground against the Cox there. Raheem Sanders had 156 and two touchdowns. KJ Jefferson was able to uh, to put up some modest numbers. North Carolina moved to 3-0, 35-28 to over Georgia State. Another close game because the Panthers scored 25 straight points at one point in this game, and it was tied going into the fourth. UNC had to um, put a fumbled Georgia State uh, ball into the end zone um, late in this one. So number eight, Notre Dame stifled at home by Marshall, 26 to 21. This is one of the big upsets. A sluggish game builds to uh, the fourth quarter, only four touchdowns in the game. This was this is a bleed over from the Ohio State loss the previous week. Buckner, another bummer game where the passing attack wasn't much to much of anything. He's the leading rusher as well with 44 yards, two touchdowns. Michael Myers, the tight end, has a touchdown and eight grabs for 101 yards. But a terrible loss to start with for Notre Dame there. Marshall last year was actually the number one third down defense in the country only gave up 23% on third down conversions. They were just ahead of Georgia, Oklahoma State, Air Force, and Minnesota, rounding out the top five there. Uh, Florida was one of the worst. They were 129th out of 131 teams. Oregon was 123rd. Washington was 118. So um, Pac-12 teams at the top there had a handful of them. Utah, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, uh, USC, and offense was never a problem. Defense for some of the key teams there, USC, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, defense was a big problem. Now, on the offensive side, eight teams converted over 30, over 50% on third down. Washington was number one in the country on the flip side of things. USC was number two, leading to my point there. Minnesota was number three. Great third down defense, great third down offense. Florida State was four, Georgia five, UCLA six, Kansas seven, Utah eight. All over 50% in the top eight in the country. Again, Washington, USC, UCLA, Utah. Great offenses there on the flip side. Oregon and Washington um, struggling with um, third down defense. Number six, Texas A&M welcomes uh, Appalachian State in, fresh off the North Carolina loss. And the Mountaineers able to knock off Texas A&M, 17-14, grab a win over a power five here. Haynes Kings for the, Haynes King for the Aggies put up three touchdowns against Sam Houston State, but only 95 yards passing against Appalachian. Running back Devon A-Chain would account for a large chunk of the team's running yardage and catch a lot of balls of the backfield. So the offense was horrible last year for the Aggies, and A-Chain would be a big piece of the offensive yardage. Uh, Tennessee plays another tough game. They're ranked 24th. They beat number 17 Pitt, 34-27. to In overtime, the Pitt's, uh, Panthers just can't find the end zone. Israel Abanakana, Abanakana, can't pronounce the last name. Uh, the work horseback for the program has 25 carries for 154 yards and a touchdown. Slovic, the uh, other USC transfer there, quarterback, less than 200 yards passing. A hooker, 325 yards and two touchdowns for the Vols. Cedric Tillman, nine catches for 162 and a touchdown. He's hurt for a good chunk of the season as well. Jalen Hyatt steps up as one of the leading receivers in the country 
Brew McCoy as well would step into a big role. Number 19, Wisconsin loses 17 to 14 at home to Washington State. A week after scampering past Idaho, Washington State is able to fly across the country and knock off the Badgers behind an incarnate word transfer quarterback Cameron Ward. Texas Tech wins 33 to 30 over number 25, Houston. In overtime, this is the same Houston team that survived UTSA in week one, but not Texas Tech here in week two in extra innings. Devon uh, Donovan Smith, pardon me, was quarterback for the Red Raiders after Tyler Shaw hurt his shoulder in the blowout win in week one over Murray State. 380 yards of total offense, three touchdowns, three picks for Smith. Um, he's transferring somewhere else this year. Shaw himself uh, was originally from Oregon. He should be healthy again for this season, but missed a good chunk of the middle of uh, last year. Uh, Derek Parrish, the defensive end for Houston, logged four and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. Um, he's now a Jacksonville Jaguar. Iowa lost 10 to seven to Iowa State. That's all I have to say there. Uh, Kansas beat West Virginia 55-42 to in overtime. A pick six locked up the game there. Jaden Daniels turns into a big star for Kansas as they start off 6-0, uh, I believe, and uh, kind of fade down the stretch there as the defense is horrific. But the offense is actually one of the best in the country. Number 20, Kentucky wins in Gainesville 26-16 to over a now number 12-ranked Florida team. The Wildcats offensive line would be a pain point, but the defense held Anthony Richardson to 14 to 35 passing, 143 yards, two picks, only four yards on the ground. Gross game. Nebraska gets beat by Georgia Southern 45 to 42. They give up 642 yards of offense, commit 10 penalties. Um, GSU gives them two helpers in the way of interceptions, and they still lose. Scott Frost is finally fired. And it's uh, a week or two ahead of uh, where his buyout would have been cheaper, but the pressure is too much, I believe, and they they got to get rid of him here. Uh, Auburn struggles against San Jose State, twenty four to sixteen, in another early game that has you kind of kind of looking funny at a team. Um, and Auburn does struggle through the rest of the year, uh, but they have to survive uh, San Jose State early. Also for fun, Idaho led ten nothing over Indiana at the half. They ultimately lose the game, but. Idaho um, early on looked good against Washington State, almost beat them, then led against Indiana. And again, that's a team that dropped down a level, uh, joined the Big Sky Conference conference, and finished 7-5 and five on the season. So just a mental note, they play at Nevada and at Cal this year. So watch out for the, the Idahos there. Number 10, USC beat Stanford 41-28. to Again, a lot of points to give up. Caleb Williams, 341, four touchdowns. Jordan Addison, seven receptions, 172, and two touchdowns. Michigan crushes Hawaii. J.J. McCarthy looks good, 229, three touchdowns, 11-12 passing in the first half. McCarthy does get in a little bit for the second, but mostly handoffs. Donovan Edwards gets hurt in the first half. This is big because Corum takes over and takes over for a good chunk of the year. He averages 9.8 yards per carry here on nine touches and uh, will turn into the lead back for the rest of the year. Oregon bounces back from the Georgia loss by beating East Washington 70-14. Gets that offense clicking. 
Oregon State gets another win over Fresno State, 35-32, to a week after beating Boise State. Uh, Jake Hayner for Fresno State throws for 360 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Mims scampers for 122 and two touchdowns and a penalty crazy game, but the Beavers are able to no other way out. Number 21, BYU, beats number 9, Baylor. 26 to 20 in overtime turns out to not be as impactful a game as both teams really struggled throughout the year. Uh, but again, Baylor won the big 12 conference championship game the year previous. BYU is returning the most production in the country. I believe um, the game was kind of a snoozer went to overtime. Both teams struggled throughout the rest of the year. Arizona loses 39 to 17 to Mississippi State just gets thumped Will Rogers pitches another 313 four touchdowns the veteran quarterback for Mississippi State Jaden Delora struggles and throws three interceptions after the good performance against a solid defense with San Diego State in week one um, in a game nobody watched worth noting in week one Bowling Green lost to Eastern Kentucky lower level there 59 to 57 in seven overtimes now again once you start the third one it's the one play for two points back and forth shootout basically but still 59 57 seven overtimes to eastern kentucky uh, a lower level opponent there so just wild week three of the college football season saw florida state move to three and oh on a Friday night game with a win over Louisville, uh, Malik Cunningham was supposed to have a shot at quarterbacking the Louisville Cardinals to possibly an ACC title after four years as a starter, but they dropped to one and two instead. Malik Cunningham uh, just the other night had a great preseason game with the uh, New England Patriots, so keep an eye on that. Maybe he'll get a shot at making a roster in the NFL there. Long-tenured starter. Uh, can move with his feet. Looked good the other night. Jordan Travis was 13 for 17 with two touchdowns before he went down in the second quarter. Tate Roadmaker finished that game out. Tayshawn Ward had 10 carries for 126 yards for the Seminoles. Malik Cunningham had 127 on the ground, 243 in the air, three touchdowns, two turnovers, too many penalties. LSU and Louisville. Gave Florida State two Power 5 wins with uh, Duquesne in the mix there early in the season. So it looked good for the Seminoles early. A lot of blowouts that week. Number one, Georgia over South Carolina, 48-7. Of course, we saw the great end of the season for the Gamecocks, but they looked sluggish early. Alabama over Louisiana Monroe, 63-7. Ohio State, 77-21 over Toledo. Five touchdowns, 367 yards from CJ. Michigan, 59 and nothing over UConn. Quorum had five touchdowns on 12 carries during that game. Clemson, 48 to 20 over Louisiana Tech. Well, Shipley, the star running back there, 12 carries for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Ungale, 17 for 29 for 221 yards, two touchdowns, 62 on the ground as well. Oklahoma was still ranked sixth at the time. They rolled Nebraska 49-14. It was intern coach Mickey Joseph's first game at the helm there for the Huskers. Dylan Gabriel, 230 yards and two touchdowns for the Sooners. Eric Gray running back, 113 yards and two touchdowns. USC was seventh. 
They beat up on Fresno State 45-17. Number 8, Oklahoma State at the time, buried Arkansas Pine Bluff. Number 9, Kentucky, no problem with Youngstown State. Will Levis did put up 377 yards in the air, two touchdowns, two picks. The Wildcats' offensive line was really bad last year, behind only Colorado State, Akron, Boston College, and Tulsa in sacks allowed, so bottom five in the nation there. Utah smashed San Diego State 35-7, four touchdowns for Mr. Rising. Tennessee buried Akron. Baylor was still ranked 17th. They buried Texas State. Old Miss shut out Georgia Tech. Texas beat UTSA 41-20. Bijan Robinson, three touchdowns and 183 yards. Penn State destroyed Auburn in what was supposed to be a great game, but they went on the road there. 41-12 was the final. Singleton, 10 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. We'll see more stat lines like that this upcoming season. Pittsburgh beat Western Michigan 34-13. Israel 31 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown there. The Arkansas Razorbacks, after punching out Cincinnati and South Carolina, struggled to fend off Missouri State. The Bears, 38-27. The back end of the defense gave up 357 passing yards. K.J. Jefferson threw 385 of his own. The defense did combine for eight sacks, nine tackles for loss, Five accounted passes defended. Three turnovers really hurt them, and a punt return for a touchdown was the difference in that one. So great job by the front seven, bad job by the back end, but they did end up pulling away from the Missouri State Bears there. Michigan State flew across the country to play a big game against Washington, and Michael Penix Jr. really showed his true form here um, in the third game of the season. Huskies scored 20 points in the second quarter in a 39-28 win. He had 397 yards and four touchdowns. Of course, the former Indiana Hoosier, famous for the goal line extension that was ultimately ruled good on a two-point conversion to beat Penn State again in that COVID year. And then he had a lost season in the uh, 2021-22 year before transferring across the, uh, the country there and landing in Washington. Michigan State, on the other hand, would go on to have one of the worst passing defenses in the country. Of course, they struggled against Western Michigan in the opener. They crushed Akron in Week 2, going down 36-14 to heading into the fourth quarter. Just never really had a shot in this one. They really blew it. There will be a rematch this upcoming season. Number 25, Oregon got the offense clicking. Of course, getting blasted, dropped them down the rankings quite a bit there. But they were able to take down number 12, BYU, 41-20. to Bo Nix ran the offense wonderfully, putting up five touchdowns, three on the ground, 13 for 18 passing. BYU had to abandon the run when Oregon scored points on its first five possessions. One of the big night games was number 13, Miami, playing number 24, Texas A&M. The Hurricanes going down to college, or I should say over, over to College Station, just shifting a little west there. They lost 17-9. to This was an atrocious game to watch. You certainly came away thinking, are both of these teams pretty good? Or are both of these teams really going to struggle? Not a great offensive output. Tyler Van Dyke didn't look very good. I can't even remember. Haynes King was playing quarterback still for Texas A&M there. It's really a moot point now. Uh, ten, uh, Connor Wingman would eventually take over 
uh, for Texas A&M in the back four or five games of the season, and he'll be the starter heading into 23-24. But this was really a reflection point looking back on the season. Number 13, Miami, at number 24, Texas A&M, and how both teams were completely unable to put points on the board and looked really woeful overall uh, on the football field there. Northwestern fell to Southern Illinois. That was not great, um, but just a re- reflection of how terrible the season was going to go for them. Number 19, Wake Forest beat Liberty 37-32. to A failed two-point conversion prevented the upset there. Number 16, NC State puts points up early and a 27-14 win against Texas Tech, and uh, they just kind of slept a walk to the win there another team that just couldn't quite get the offense going despite a really good quarterback there number 18 florida won the big game against utah then turned around and lost to kentucky then struggled with an easy guy in south florida 31 to 28 was the final only seven points scored in the second half overall anthony richardson struggled 136 yards and two picks passing Well, of course, two picks passing, but 136 yards. Not great for Anthony Richardson there. And uh, you start to start to wonder how he made it up uh, to be a top selection based on some of the statistical categories, but some of the raw tools is what you'll hear uh, NFL scouts talk about. So we'll see how he produces with the Indianapolis Colts this upcoming season. Purdue falls to one and two and Syracuse moves to three and oh after 32 to 29 game. Another close one for the Boilermakers after falling to Penn State, of course, in the opener. Aiden O'Connell this time, 39 for 56 passing, 424 yards and three touchdowns. His guy, Charlie Jones, 11 catches for 188 and a touchdown. Again, no ground game for the Boilermakers. Sean Tucker, the top running back for the Syracuse Orange, struggles. But his quarterback, Garrett Schrader, leads the team in passing and rushing for the game, he throws a late touchdown to win the game for Syracuse, despite 180 fewer yards of offense and only a 25% conversion rate on third down. 13 penalties and a big turnover really hurt Purdue in the loss. Louisville, 31 to seven over UConn, as well. Um, UConn and Purdue were Syracuse's only big wins there, so um, Syracuse kind of building a hollow record as it continued in the first half of the season there. Notre Dame bounces back from the Marshall loss by beating Cal 24-17. Still not a good look for the Irish early in the season there as they were getting a lot of national attention for the tough uh, tough wins and losses there. UCLA wins over South Alabama 32-31 to on a late field goal. That was another near big upset there by the Bruins early on, almost taking one right at home. Tulane wins a big game on the road over Kansas State 17-10 to move to 3-0. and KSU's passing ability looked really questionable early for a team that would eventually go on to win the Big 12. Of course, we learned that Tulane is for real as well, and that defense uh, was really good last season, eventually beating USC in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Only 150 yards passing for Adrian Martinez, the former Nebraska Cornhusker there. Tulane's defense um, was great. Both teams had exactly 336 yards of offense. The Green Wave forces two turnovers. Arizona survived North Dakota State 31-28 to as they'd continue their up-and-down year. Arizona State 
loses 30 to 21 to Eastern Michigan and then loses its head coach as they fire Herm Edwards. He had a number of um, questionable recruiting allegations as well. Nothing major, but um, was supposedly having recruiting visits during a agreed upon dead period during COVID. And um, that amongst some horrible losses ultimately um, led to his exit. Kansas moves to a shocking 3-0 and pushes Houston to a shocking 1-2 after a 48-30 win. Didn't look good for the Cougars, and it really wasn't the rest of the year. But Kansas, three wins already in three games. Shocking. LSU beats Mississippi State 31-16. The Tigers shut down Will Rogers in that offense, held him to 214 yards, touchdown and a pick. Maryland has 15 penalties but beats SMU 34 to 27 and Iowa takes down Nevada 27 to nothing. It's kind of like water in the desert. 20 plus points by Iowa is a rarity. So 27 to nothing blanking the Nevada Wolfpack there. That is your walkthrough of week 3 of the college football season there. So that's a review of the first chunk of the 2022 college football season. Wednesday, I'll be dropping the second part. Thanks for hanging in for a long one here, fighting through my respiratory issues. And uh, just thanks for, for checking back in and hanging in with me. Be back on Wednesday. This is the Michael Welch Podcast.